Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Welcome to Ashland University's Professional Learning Podcast. This is your host, Dr. David Silverberg. We have with us today, Tom Burton. Tom is superintendent of Princeton City Schools. He's the author of Mark of Leadership, Strategies for Leading with Purpose, Plan, and Passion. He's been the winner of multiple awards, including Ohio Middle School Principal of the Year Award, and also Ohio Educator of the Year Award by the Ohio Middle Level Association, and just recently was named Business Person of the Year through the Sharonville Chamber of Commerce. So uh, welcome, uh, Tom, to our show. We look forward to getting your insights in this challenging time. Thank you, David. I appreciate being here, and um, you, you said it right. These are certainly challenging times, but there's a lot of opportunities within those challenges I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about here momentarily. Yeah, let's get into your thoughts on that. What are some of the challenges you're seeing and how is your district approaching those? What's working? What advice do you have for others? Well, if we go back to when this first was announced, uh, you know, one of the things I'm most proud of with, with all the great team that we have at Princeton is that everyone's initial thoughts were the same. It was about the social emotional well-being of our students which include meeting the most basic of needs. So we knew that we needed to make sure that we had a plan for food distribution, that we had to make sure that because of connectivity issues, that we needed to make sure that we addressed that. And so when you look overall at the biggest challenges, is making sure that we're taking care of the students' needs, first and foremost, the social-emotional needs of where students are, making sure that those students that were identified with special needs, that we were going to be able to reach out and talk to them. And what we did, which again, very proud of the great team that we have here at Princeton. But it was really about making sure that kids were going to be fed and the best that we possibly could make sure that kids were going to be able to stay in some type of normal schedule to make sure that they would not get disconnected with the learning process. We'd, make, we'd made such great gains this year that uh, that was going to be an issue that we knew that we had to address right away. So a couple of things that we did, we wanted to make sure that we had food distributions during lunchtime the best that we could. And we did it at six elementary schools, three days a week. Princeton has been seen as the most diverse school district in the state of Ohio, and that was by uh, niche.com. And Princeton is geographically is rather large and certainly very diverse. We have communities that are almost 100% economically disadvantaged, directly next to community that's virtually, there's no economic disadvantage in it. You could buy houses in Princeton for over a million and for under 10,000. And with that, that economic disadvantaged population and certainly economic diversity that we have, that's just one of what makes Princeton so unique. But we have two cities, four villages, three townships, and parts of three counties that we touch. And so the challenge of working with all the municipalities as well during this, you know, unprecedented times, I'm just calling it crazy times now, it has provided, again, great challenges because you don't want to have one community feel like you're not reaching out to them. So 
we spread out the six elementary schools and the middle school, high school complex. And to date, we've distributed over 40,000 meals. And that's with collaboration also within the community. So community partners, municipality partners, as well as uh, some of the business communities really stepped up and provided a lot of donations. We actually have a local pizza place here. They gave me a $1,000 gift card, basically, for us to take care of different families. And you can imagine if you distribute 40,000 meals, you go through that $1,000 pretty quickly. But we have, again, great community partners. And so 40,000 meals we distributed. And we actually even deployed our buses for about a week and a half to ride their regular bus runs and distribute food during those bus runs as well. This is an unbelievable time. I mean, people talk sometimes about schools, districts as being the hub of the community, but this sounds like it's really living the dream in that way. Yeah, there's, there's no question about that, David. And I, I intentionally left a little pause in there before I talked about the connectivity. We don't have a one-to-one where kids take out Chromebooks or devices and they keep them at home overnight and they bring them back during the course of the day. We actually had a one-to-one where we have, we actually have more devices than we have students during the course of the day and the kids would use them and then put them back in the Chrome carts. And we had a very smooth process of the kids using that. So we actually deployed and we asked the community through a multitude of, of communications, which we'll talk about later. But when we looked at the connectivity, we asked for those students who needed, who did not have any other form of connectivity of a device. And so we had eight different Chromebook distributions. And if you've ever been down to Princeton, you know, it's a beautiful new complex at the middle school, high school, but we were over a mile in one direction backed up for Chromebook distribution the last two days. And we are all the way through our parking lot down Viking way and on Chester road. And so for those listening who know that it's kind of hard to comprehend, but we distributed over 2,600 Chromebooks in a total of 16 hours. And so you can imagine that was pretty great. And so that was eliminating that gap that we needed for the devices. And then we turned our attention to this week, the huge gap that exists right now with access to Wi-Fi. And so yesterday we just finished deploying 70 different MiFi wireless units to seven different housing complexes, actually five housing complexes and two mobile home parks to be able to, again, eliminate that gap of access. And so when you talk about community really and and the schools being a hub, we've worked with every mayor, we've worked with police chiefs, we've done so much to be able to eliminate that gap. Yeah, and it sounds like that there was already positive feeling in the community, between the community and the the district, and this has really given an opportunity to shine. I mean, the groundwork was there. Um, and your leadership is obviously there. How do you support your team to mobilize so quickly and be so effective and efficient this quickly? Uh, Great question. Uh, Somebody asked me a long time ago when I first moved down, and I was from, I was 28 years in Cleveland, and then moving down to Cincinnati was a big move, and and they said, Tom, I I bet you you didn't think that you were going to have to work so hard. And I said, well, that's not the question I'm going to choose to answer. (laughs) And they said, but that's my question. And I said, well, here's my question. The question isn't about 
wondering if I would have to work so hard. It really turned into a statement, which I guess I never felt I was going to feel so alive what I do. And so because of that, there's many of our teammates that feel the same way. So what we did is we followed all the different news conferences and actually got a little tip off. A lot of superintendents did that this was going to come down the pike. So we were able to mobilize that Thursday. So we actually got learning packets home for three weeks to all the elementary students and middle school, high school. What we did is I, I closed school that next day, those two days and teachers use those days to prepare for online lessons. We had teachers creating YouTube channels that kids can go on with the different lessons. Everybody was getting more and more familiar with Zoom. Some people didn't even know what that was, quite frankly. And so we really did a lot of great work around that. And the team is committed. When you have a bunch of committed people, you know, there really are no such thing as obstacles because you're going to find a way of doing it. And, and that's exactly what the team has done. We have amazing district level administrative team. We have great building level administrative team. But the true superstars, for sure, throughout this whole thing, have been the teachers and the staff. What they have done has been nothing short of a miracle. You know, it's interesting. I heard the announcement from uh, the governor yesterday that he was quoting Churchill and said, this is the end of the beginning. And talking about this being now, okay, what's next, the next phase? What are your thoughts about how to approach the next phase for this school year and then as we think into next year as well? This is my 33rd year in, in education. Education will forever be changed. And in 33 years, it's the first time I can honestly say that. I think if you go back and you look back in the late 80s and early 90s uh, when accountability first started coming out, we basically brought upon all of the issues that accountability brings and testing and all of that because we did not band together as administrators. We didn't band together as educators. And in this time is different. So I'm on conference calls every single day with superintendents across the state. I'm blessed enough to be able to serve on the superintendent, state superintendent's advisory council and everybody is collaborating at the highest of all levels. So when you look at some of the changes within a district, that's going to be so varied in and of itself. I think the biggest change is going to be the sense that we need to collaborate at the highest of all levels across districts, across state lines, and make sure that we are doing so to be able to keep the individual needs of students in districts in mind. And so I learned a lot from what other school districts have done. And I think I've helped other school districts as well. I've certainly learned a ton by that. Now, when it comes to the individual, what's going to look different in Princeton, we were about a year and a half away from going one-to-one and actually deploying devices out and having students just keep them for the year. And I quite frankly, I, I, I could be certainly a little bit outspoken. And David, with our relationship over the years, I think you've seen that a little bit. But the fact of the matter is that a lot of districts have failed with one-on-one initiatives because teachers weren't ready. And so what happens is devices turn into glorified search engines and that's it. And so I refused to do that. So two years ago, we had 100 Google workshops in the, in the building, in the district. So instead of having teachers leave, during the course of the day to get training, 
we actually went after school and offered these free workshops. Last year, we had 60. And despite the success of those, nothing has been a better teacher and prepared us more for a one-to-one initiative than what's happened. And so earlier, I talked about challenges, but really opportunities. And so the biggest opportunity has been now we're going to go, we will be one-to-one next year, grades nine through 12. And if you take your eighth grade and you're taking high school classes, we're going to start with, they're going to get all devices. Mid-year, we will be six, 12. And then the following year will be five, 12. So really this huge push and to change the way that we're doing things, that's one kind of major change. But we've been kind of on the grind this whole year about really empowering each student for college, career, and life success. That's our mission statement. If we as a society are serious about equity, then now is the time for everybody to rise up and let's make Wi-Fi a universal reality for everybody, whether or not we make it a utility or we just provide it through some expanded E-rate funding, we need to do more and it's screaming at us the inequity that exists with kids across the state. And while Princeton is 70% economically disadvantaged, we only had about, I think the, the, in seventh grade, we had 8% of our kids that did not have access to Wi-Fi. Now, part of that reason is that they're using their data on their phone. And so that data doesn't always, you know, it's not unlimited. Our elementary, we had 632 kids, roughly about 26% that did not have connectivity. So while you could look at Princeton like an area of great need, when I talk about providing Wi-Fi across the board, my heart goes obviously to Princeton, but it goes really quickly to those students that are in Appalachia. It goes really quickly to those students that are in greater impoverished areas in some of the big urban hubs. Also, some of those that are too embarrassed to talk about not having connectivity in some suburban areas. Let's leave this conversation and let's all, everybody who's looking for it or listening to this, please make sure you do something today. Call a legislator and let's make this a reality across the board. Universal Wi-Fi. It's almost like a literacy issue, isn't it? Sure it is, right? And so we have, and my biggest thing when you look across the board, there's gaps that exist right now. We know that. We can't do anything with the achievement gap. We can do nothing with the achievement gap until we do something with the opportunity gap. And so we know all about summer slide. We know what happens. And so you have districts that their kids are going to school, regular school day. The teachers are teaching every period of the day. They're doing online. They They may not have missed much, but that's not happening in many school districts across the state. And so that gap continues to grow. And what happens when the kids are competing for a college, the kids are competing for a job, or even if the kids are competing for military? That gap is so significant that until we eliminate one of the major barriers that exists, which is connectivity, until we do that, then all the talk about equity and all that stuff is a farce. Yeah, I mean, this is, we're hearing, you know, we've been talking to ESCs and superintendents all over the state, and 
uh, it's amazing how this issue of equity is coming up again and again in different ways from different people. 30% of our population now is Hispanic and 21%, I think it's the highest or second highest in the state, 21% of our population are English learners. So, I mean, it is so and so real in what we're seeing. You know, people talk about equity and then, you know, you think instantly going to food, you think all of that stuff. But until, until a child can go home and, I mean, they need to be fed and needs to, they need to have a roof over their heads. And some of the mobile parks I talked about, they don't even have doors. They're, they have this queen as doors. Legit, 100%. We saw it yesterday or two days ago. And so all of those are critical needs, there's no question. But for a child to lift themselves up to be able to go home and be able to get online and be able to engage in some of these programs, which are meant to entice and engage until that stuff happens, it's just, it, it's, it's not going to change. And I hate to be a pessimist. I'm, re- I'm really not trying to be one, but um, it's, just, it's just a fact. Obviously, I get pretty passionate and outspoken about things, but there's so much that we have to we have to change and have to do. And it's easy for me to talk about the plight of Princeton, but Princeton's not nearly as needy as some other school districts. So we've had we've had superintendents in the last year have said, you know what, Ed Choice is not my battle because it doesn't affect me. And I've heard that on these conference calls. I'm on different committees. And I said, see, that's the problem. It's not, your, it's not your issue right now, but it's public education's issue. So if you don't care about public education, and then they say, well, I'm not saying that. I'm like, well, no, again, your actions are speaking louder. And so when you look at that and when you have people talk about, well, you know, we're lucky because we have all the connectivity. So that's really not our fight. No, it is your fight. And uh, when you were talking about Churchill, I thought, because I was talking about being outspoken, I thought you were going to uh, talk about this one quote. I just pulled it up to remind myself, criticism may not be agreeable, but it is necessary. It fulfills the same function as pain in the human body. It calls attention to an unhealthy state of things. If somebody wanted to reach out and follow up with you or somebody else on your team to get feedback, uh, I'd like to invite you to share an email address that would work for you. We've got administrators across the state, obviously, who are trying to work through many of these same issues, and, and I, I'd like to build that line of communication if possible. Well, I'm, I'm going to do one more. I'm going to give you my cell phone, which is 440-708-4800. And so anybody could text if you want, call if you want. Uh, my email is tburton, B-U-R-T-O-N, at vikingmail.org. So you can reach out anytime, and I certainly may not be the person giving you all the information you need, but if you have some, we have a great team, and they'll be very responsive, and I can forward any other questions off to them that I, I won't be able to answer. Well, I can tell your heart is in this fight, and I can tell you're an opportunity-oriented person. And, boy, you put those together in this time, and uh, I think it's, um, it's an incredible moment for all of us to try and take advantage of the tough stuff to make good stuff out of what's left. So we really appreciate your time, Tom, and, uh, and I, I certainly applaud people that want to reach out for you for further insights. Thank you. Oh, you're very welcome. And um, 
Uh, for all the listening, all you Viking fans, go Vikes. And for everybody else, I hope that in some small way we can help other people. This podcast is licensed under Creative Commons.